Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of... uh, (laughs) Golly. It's going to be a good one. Broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Tacey, my wife, Tacey, the delightful wife who is my wife. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question, you're embarrassed to take your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD, because Tacey doesn't want to say poohead. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine, where you can get a Bristol stool scale mug and rate your uh, stools while you're looking at, you know, at your mug while you're sitting on the pot. (laughs) It is disgusting. And we make 25 cents, so don't worry about it, but it is funny. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian. Or whatever. So uh, please do not forget to use stuff.drsteve.com at your earliest convenience, stuff.drsteve.com. You can click right through and go to Amazon, or you can scroll down and look at things that we talk about on this show. Also, tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D. You get 33% off the best earbuds for the price on the market. You can't beat that. And if you want to lose weight with Tacey and me, Tacey's now doing it. Back on um, it. Noom. Dot drsteve.com, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. You get uh, 20% off if you decide to do it, but you get two weeks free to try it out and see if you like it. Not a diet, psychology program, and you get a counselor, you get a group, you get a group counselor. Um, it's little micro goals, and it changes your habits. I'm now, if I binge on something, I binge on rice cakes, and I like it. I actually prefer it to binging on Snickers which is what I used to binge on. Mm. And I was at 200 pounds, and now I'm down at 160-something. So uh, noom.drsteve.com. And if you want archives of this show, uh, go to drsteve.com, and there's a link on there you can click on to get an archive of the show. All the old shows now have gone away um, because of, well, basically because of Matt Kleinschmidt buying... Uh, Riotcast, and now we are the laugh button, and uh, they went to a different platform, and uh, my website is no longer functional. So we're working on that. Uh, Episodes 300 and above will still be free, but everything below that, the only way you'll be able to get it is to get archives. So, uh, And if you had a premium subscription, you will no longer be charged for that. And thank you for those of you who did. 
And there were actually quite a few who, who were doing that, and uh, that was, you know, that's awesome. Your support never has gone unappreciated. All right. Yeah, so um, you don't find it fun that you have a husband that's um, 65 years old in 12 days, and he picked out the number 347 poo <laughs> <laughs> I've said this many times. I did not know what I was getting into. <laughs> it just, you well, were a nice guy. I loved you. Well, and I did well, not I'm know the nice weirdo guy. thing. If these people could see this what third floor that we have up here. Oh, you mm-hmm. love it. I love it. No, it is. It's pretty <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's now uh, it's better than it was, but I still got a lot of work to do. But, you know, when I, when we have a weekend and I have to, you know, I want to hang out with you. I don't, I don't want to uh, be up here working. So after 15 years, I've basically done nothing. Yeah. Well, I agree. I would rather you be hanging out with me too. But if you go out of town, next time you go out of town, I've got a couple recording sessions I got to do, and I'm going to finish this up third floor. I've been out of town plenty. Well, I I know I had other things to do those Mm -hmm. times. So I'm going to do it this time. Well, I think I I have. have, I used to have, it used to be vomiting nerd stuff in here it looks like we just moved in and we've lived here 15 years well yeah everything's out of boxes but it just it used to literally look like the the bookshelf was vomiting out uh you know action figures and stuff so that's all gone Mm -hmm. but it's it's and the problem is i sold off on ebay all the stuff i could get a lot of money for and now i'm left with the stuff that it's a big pain in the ass to ship it to somebody, and I might get 10 bucks for it. Just donate it. Well. <laughs> no, it's valuable. <laughs> okay, well, okay. if I can find somebody who'll take it, I'll donate it to them. I'll no, that. I'm not going to tell you what no, to do that's with fine. No, all you're not of wrong. your stuff, all of it. You're not wrong. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, that's not I mean, here a $10 thing times, I don't know, four or 5000 is a lot of money. It <laughs> is a lot of money. I didn't think about it that way. Anyway, yeah, I'll work on that. I'll talk to E-Rock. Maybe E-Rock will take it because uh, I'm sure Ange doesn't mind that he has a, a basement full of action figures oh, and pop figures. And so Can you imagine? You. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, by the way, uh, I am now a... Um, COVID-19 vaccine trial participant. Yeah, I'll give myself that at least. And Tacey's going to do it too, but she wanted to wait to see if I die first. Well, yes. So, and I think that's smart. You know, back in the day, we used to think about um, taking separate planes to go places in case one of us went down. Now we just take the kids with us, so we'll all go down together. But All go together. But, uh, yeah, I think that's smart. So, yeah, I got it today. It was a, a pretty professional deal, as you would expect. This is a Pfizer study, and they're doing Pfizer's doing the study for a company called BioNTech and is an mRNA vaccine. And the mRNA vaccines are a lot easier to make than the others are because you don't have to grow something in cell culture. You can just make these RNA once you get one strand, you can just amplify it. Uh, there's a machine that will just take it and amplify it and make more. And uh, 
I know we've talked about it before, but for people who are just now listening who don't know what it is, uh, instead of injecting a protein like you do, say, with influenza that the body then recognizes as foreign and makes antibodies to, you're injecting the instructions to the cell uh, to make the protein. So mRNA is uh, just a set of instructions. It's like a deck of um, um, computer cards or just a, a computer instruction. And uh, it's a set of instructions. This is how you make this protein. And so it inculcates itself into the cells. And then the cells just go, okay, here's a, a couple of ribosomes. Let's put them on there and some transfer RNA. And we'll just bing, 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 bing. And we'll make this uh, protein. And then the protein gets expressed on the surface of the cell. And then the body then recognizes it as foreign and makes a um, humoral and cellular immunity against that protein and it acts more like an infection because these things these proteins instead of just floating around are actually on the surface of the cells just like they would be if a virus was making them so it's pretty cool and i'm very excited about it and i have a 50 percent chance of having um, a placebo but i'm pretty sure i got active vaccine because i'm already starting to uh, feel a little uh, bit of uh, myalgias and some pain really? at the site yeah yeah so there you go. So we'll see. And uh, they give you um, uh, anybody that wants to do this, by the way, just check and see if one of your local uh, research facilities is doing this. They pay you for it and you get a little app and you have to check in once a week and tell them how you're doing. And uh, they uh, uh, every time you check in on the app, they give you a little bit of money on your card, too. So, I mean, you know, it's a way to just get a little bit of walking around money. Walking around money's good. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so I'm very excited. I promised our listeners that the second that this crap, you know, came to our area where I could do it, that I would be the first to volunteer. And I wasn't the first, but I was among the first. And because uh, I want to do this, I'm so sick of this that I'll do anything I can to make it in. I even told them, if you want to do a challenge trial, spray COVID-19 up my nose in a week and we'll just see. Uh, because that, of course, would accelerate approval of these vaccines if we could get a cohort of people where they do a challenge trial. And why is that? Well, because even today, uh, how many cases do we have in this country now? Five, six million? That's, um, you know, well, what does that work out to? Like 5% of the population, if, if that. And... Um, or is it like two and a half percent or 350 million people? Anyway, um, you, yeah, 7% would be um, 5%, right? So uh, when when we have such, a, such low numbers, the vast majority of people aren't going to get it. You know, if you have uh, even at 5%, 95% of people aren't going to get it. So you vaccinate 100 people and none of them, get it you haven't said anything because there's a chance that a hundred any random hundred people will never get COVID-19 so um, uh, you know they have to vaccinate a ton of people now if you took let's say 200 people vaccinated them and shot COVID-19 you know SARS-CoV-2 up their nose you could get excellent data right away and you know then if nobody got it uh, you could 
you could say with some confidence that this vaccine was effective. So, Steve, I keep hearing of people who um, are diagnosed with with COVID. Yeah. And then they they just don't get better. But then, you know, month or five weeks out, they're not testing positive anymore, but they're still just sick. Is that virus just rampaged their body i mean is that what's going on with that um sure so there are these ace inhibitors all over the body or um, not ace inhibitors ace receptors all over the body and the virus can cleave to any of those ace receptors there's a ton of them in the nose but there are some in other parts of the body as well plus the inflammation that this novel virus causes uh can't because of the body's immune response to it can cause damage in uh, the blood vessels, in the heart, in the kidneys. And so you can clear the virus. And if you had a really vigorous inflammatory response, you could still be pretty sick afterward. So that's that's where a lot of that's coming from. Now, uh, there was one person that got reinfected that they're pretty sure was a true reinfection, not just a couple of false negative tests, and then they had a false po- or a true positive test. And apparently that person actually did get pretty sick. The vast majority of data that I've seen on people that have tested positive a second time have not actually been symptomatic. So we'll just have to see if that was a fluke or if there's a trend a, a trend there. There could be a small number of people, and it will be vanishingly small, that if they get reinfected, they'll get sick uh, again. Um, but, you know, that remains to be seen. We only got one case now, so we don't really know anything. Okay. What'd you hear? Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I have an, uh, an article. Okay. This one is actually interesting, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. It's from the Annals of Internal Medicine. And it talks about fecal aerosols and the transmission <laughs> of severe acute respiratory corona, corona, corona whatever. Just say COVID 19. COVID 19 <laughs> has been suspected. Yeah. So farts. Yes. Farts. So fecal aerosols would be flatus and sharting, basically. And we talked about this before. Um, you and are you sure that was the not the annals of internal medicine? It was a parody. Site? I don't know how to say it. It's, it's the annals of internal medicine. A n n a l s. Of course. You know what? You want to be a smartass? Do <laughs> no, this show I'm, yourself. I'm, no, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that. I'm talking about. I was making a joke that, yeah. about their fart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just now got it. Okay, you got it. Okay, thank you. But I'm just so used to being made fun of. I don't ever make fun of you. But anyway, um, so they uh, have postulated for some time that because this virus is swallowed, that it can make it through the GI tract, and you can detect viral RNA in stool. doesn't mean that it's infectious. Just because you can detect the RNA, if it's naked RNA, it can't do anything. And or if it's viral particles that have some RNA that's at the threshold that you can detect it, again, you can't get infected by that. And we have talked about the um, toilet plume, where when after defecating, you flush the toilet and then there is a plume of fecal particles and aerosols that hit the air. Now, if you had a um, an infectious viral particle in that plume that could be transmitted by inhaling it, then, yeah, in theory, you could get, um, you could get um, um, 
a disease that way. And also, uh, it, uh, the conditions that I came up with that you would have to have to uh, infect someone through flatus would be these. Number one, that the virus has to make it through the GI tract intact. Again, just because you can detect the RNA doesn't mean that that can infect you. So it has to be intact. So that's the first condition. Second, uh, you would have to be extremely close to someone when they pass gas because these are not gas. Viruses aren't gases. Even and the nanoparticles themselves are heavier than a gas because the molecular weight of a virus is huge compared to, say, hydrogen sulfide. So just because I pass gas over here and you can smell it doesn't mean that a virus could travel that far. Okay. Are so, there any conditions that you can get from? Yeah, so that's what I'm getting to. So okay. if you um, crouched down behind me and I bent over and I blasted one right in your face. And I and the first condition was met that I had uh, live viral particles in my rectum. I could conceivably, under those conditions, infect you with SARS-CoV-2. So other than that, um, it, it, you know, again, we get to that bell curve. This is so many um, orders of magnitude away from uh, the mean of droplet transmission that um, it's you know we might get one or two maybe if, but I don't, to my knowledge there's not been a single case that's been attributed to fecal aerosols but uh, I'll keep my eye out for those now somebody accosted me online and said well you were wrong about the aerosol thing uh, no there have been aerosol transmissions but some of these Articles that are talking about aerosols are conflating droplets and aerosols and just saying that aerosols are really small droplets. So you have to uh, be careful how you define these things. So what are the, what's the difference? Well, you know, uh, if, if you have a true aerosol that can sit in the air, that's not the same thing as a small droplet. Okay. okay, you're talking about misting something. Okay. And so it really has to do with particle size. And you can define these things. There's a range. There's not really just one cutoff. Well, this is a droplet and this is a particle from an aerosol. And so depending on how you define that, you can come up with different answers. But they're really all the same answer. They're just defining those terms differently. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the CDC um, I thought a lot of people would call in about this, but they really hadn't. Where uh, Have you seen on your Facebook or Twitter, well, you're not on Twitter, but on your Facebook, where people have said, oh, see, this is proof the CDC is covering stuff up. Yes, they very quietly they're misrepresenting. They very quietly ratcheted down their death rate to say only 6% of people actually died from COVID-19. Yes, explain that, please. Okay. I have an article pulled up right now. That claims that, or do you no, have one that, that refutes asks, it? It asks, the, it asks the question. Okay, ask the question then. Did yeah. COVID-19 cause only 6% of the coronavirus deaths? No, that's incorrect, and here's why. So people are using this to say, well, this is no big deal. It's nothing. It's the CDC even admits it because they just said that only 6% of all these deaths were actually caused by COVID-19. That is not what this – and this – we dealt with this. I dealt with it on the – COVID SITREP on our YouTube channel at the Laugh Button uh, YouTube channel, and I've dealt with it on this show before. When this 
report comes out, people freak out, and then it goes viral. And it's it's the same thing every time that, oh, they're quietly revising their estimate. That's not what happened. This report that they're talking about, and my I actually don't have a problem with people that are spreading this around. I have a problem with the CDC because I even wrote to them and said, your messaging sucks on this. This is a specific report called the Provisional uh, Death Report. And this provisional report is based on uh, death certificate data. So when you write a death certificate, it goes into a database, and then they have this database. And of those, all of the... Uh, death certificates that that listed COVID-19 as a cause of death, only 6% of those said COVID-19. Now, here's how we do death certificates. So everybody needs to understand this. The death certificate will have four or five slots, and it's the same in every state, that says they died of this, due to this, due to this, due to this, due to this. So you can say many things. So you could uh, say the person uh, died of sepsis, due to urinary tract infection, due to bladder outflow obstruction, okay? So someone has uh, COVID-19 on Wednesday. They get viral pneumonia on Thursday. They get respiratory failure on Friday, and they get and they die on Saturday. So this is how I would do the death certificate in that person. Number one, they died of respiratory failure due to viral pneumonia, due to COVID-19. Now, that death certificate, that person obviously died because they were infected with SARS-CoV-2, right? But the death certificate is not going to be in that 6%. It's going to be in that 94% that where it didn't just say COVID-19. Now, my argument is, is that that 6% that said COVID-19 by themselves, whether you get a death certificate, what they die from, COVID-19. That was lazy, lazy work, It's right? not only lazy, yes, it's worse than lazy, it's incorrect. Uh, or, well, it's incorrect because it's lazy, so you're absolutely right. Um, it is, uh, no one dies of COVID-19, they die because of what COVID-19 does to the body. And when that happens, you're supposed to enumerate that on the death certificate. Some people are dying of respiratory failure. Some people are dying of shock. Some people are dying of renal failure. Some have uh, strokes that are caused by, you know, the inflammation caused by cytokine storm that was caused by COVID-19. Those are all deaths that can be attributed to COVID-19, but will not be in that 6%, they'll be in the 94%. And when you look at the that, um, that um, report, it specifically says, you know, the I think the number one cause was respiratory failure. Well, that was caused by the COVID-19. So there's no quiet ratcheting down. There's no conspiracy here that's just crappy messaging mm -hmm. by the CDC. And that number should say 100%, and that 0% of death certificates should only say COVID-19 on them, you know? And people are saying, well, it's just people with pre-existing conditions. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you have no pre-existing conditions, I, don't, I pr literally, at my age, don't know anyone that doesn't have a pre-existing condition. 
uh, right now. You know, at least everybody, all of my friends either have high cholesterol or they've got um, stage one hypertension or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, or so, even in their 40s, even in their 40s, sure. people have sure. pre-existing conditions. Now, now, is this, people are, should we shut everything down and put everybody out of business? Because, no, I think that I definitely agree with the people that say we should be uh, uh, protecting the people who are most vulnerable and protecting our hospitals from overwhelming the you know the system so that people who have an appendicitis and otherwise would die if they couldn't have surgery can get into the hospital it's not full of covid-19 patients and the hospital isn't shut down to all other comers because in that situation people will die but it won't be just the covid-19 people it'll be the people with heart attacks and uh, surgical emergencies compound fractures trauma and stuff like that they can't get into the hospital so that's that's why we're doing this so we have to protect the vulnerable that by the way that's me <laughs> Thank you. And um, we have to protect people with uh, and, and so I'm careful. I'm not going to, uh, uh, you know, concerts and stuff like that. I'm OK with them having even crowds for certain populations of people. Although if you're 20 um, something and you think you're completely immune from dying from this, you got another thing coming because uh, although you're in the lowest risk group, you're, it, the risk is not zero. Uh, let's just look up COVID deaths I mean, by even age. Colleges, Steve, they're just yep. Oh, and the worst thing that they can, these colleges can do though is when they get a dorm that's full of people with COVID nineteen is send them home. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> because then they're not only go taking it home to their parents, but they're taking it. They're they're spreading it geographically. You remember that video we watched early on in this, where they had all those people at spring break and they were tracking their cell yes, phones, and you could just see it spread across the country. And that's what would happen. So if they get an outbreak in a college, they need to shelter in place. So um, let's see here. Uh, but yeah. they're not though. They're not sheltering in place. Are they not? Well, I don't know if it what they're doing with the um, infected, but I do know. That a lot of people are just going home. Yeah. Well, I have issues with that. But, okay, so if we use 18 to 29-year-old as the comparison group, then if you're 5 to 17, your rate of death is 16 times lower. Not 16%, 16 times lower. And then uh, if you're 30 to 39, it's four times higher. 40 to 49, 10 times higher, and 50 to 64, which is where I am today, 30 times higher. But guess what happens 12 days from now? It goes up to 90 times higher. Mm -hmm. Now, that's one of those weird, you know, disconnects where one day really isn't going to make any difference. But that's just people in that group. And uh, so, but those are relative numbers. Let's see if we can get absolute numbers. Absolute numbers, uh, deaths from uh, COVID-19, 65 to 74, 12,766. This was just, what? Um, well, what is this? Let me see. That's weekly updates. Um, okay, here we go. Updated August 26th. Uh, deaths involving coronavirus, pneumonia, and influenza. Okay. Oh, and influenza. Let me see. Okay. All deaths involving COVID-19 in ages under one year, 17. One to four years, 12. 
Uh, let's look at uh, 15 to 24, 280, and 25 to 34, 1,257, and that's out of 88,000. So your chances are about, what, one point something in 88 of, uh, of dying if you're in that group. So, you know, the odds aren't zero. Those are, that's a crap load of tragedies. Yeah, it certainly is. You know? And, yeah, it's not as tragic when I die. Um, because no, it, 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 it is. I had, I had um, an acquaintance, a, a very mild acquaintance, but a friend of a friend, friend of, of mine a friend, yeah. just um, died today. And, and How old were they? They were older, but, you know, well, they, were, they were retired. They were living the life yeah. that they've always dreamed of. Yeah, I'm never going to retire. I'm just and, telling you that right now. Everybody I know that retired, yeah, something bad well, has especially physicians. To them. They retire and they just drop yep. dead like flies. But, yep. um, yeah, they're living the good life, the life they'd always wanted. And then here comes this virus. And, yeah. you know, I saw him a couple of months ago. He was absolutely fine. And he got yeah. it. And yeah. and it just it just got him. This is one of the people that you partied with when you were down there? Um, this was when I, I mean, went in May. No, it's not okay. not, okay. not at the fire pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so out of 88,716 people in my age group, there was about uh, 34,000. So about a third of the deaths were in my age group. And uh, so anyway, all right. So the CDC is... Nothing if not mostly transparent with data. They may be shady on some things. You can make that argument. I'm not making that argument. I think uh, if we can't trust the CDC on things like this, then we are in really in worse trouble than we think. But they're not uh, ratcheting down numbers and quietly putting it out. If, if they want to cover it up, why put it out? You know, it's this report comes out on a on a very regular basis. And every time it comes out, I see these tweets. So. All right. Yes. Does that does that make sense? It does. Did make I explain sense. that well? Thank enough? you for okay. going over that because I'm sure, with all the really smart people at my gym, I'll be hearing about it today. <laughs> okay. Well, then you'll know. You'll know what to say. I'll probably just ignore them. All right. Um, you know what? I didn't download all the voicemails, so we've got well, some doozies. Good. Well, that's okay. So we'll literally take one second to do this. Um, if uh, let me see here. Oh yeah, we got some good ones in here. Uh, we've got one on Barrett's esophagus that I'm going to need you to, to, um, because you're my Barrett's expert. So let's see here. Sorry, everybody. I've got. I am not a Barrett's expert. Well, you know more about it than I do. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, okay, I know more about it than you do, but I wanted to give you something to talk about, so let's go. I don't need to talk. Okay, you're fine. Let's see what we got. What's up, Dr. Steve? How are you doing? Hey, um, just wanted to call and ask about alkaline water. I bought this water today that's like pH 8.8, .8, and I remember you saying a while back that we can't really change the basic or acidic levels in our body. Um, they always maintain like a really tight margin. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what the benefit of all this is and if there really is one or if it's more mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. Steve, Thanks, that's, man. Take it easy. that's a great question because I, I know a lot of herbalists. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to get so much trouble with Scott right here. Um, or, or well, just, he's not an herbalist. No, n natural. Yeah, naturopaths. Yes, mm -hmm. who talk about the 
acid, the acidic level of your blood? Is yes. that possible? Nope. Okay. So if you come in to me and you have, oh, so your pH right now is 7.4. Barring that you're hyperventilating and you can run it up, or uh, barring that you uh, have Drank some other issue. Drank a bottle of wine last well, night? Well, no, that should still be okay. Your pH is 7.4. Everybody that's listening to this, unless they have a condition, their pH is 7.4. It's very tightly regulated by the body. Now, if you um, take in alkaline water or acidic water, which you do, like if you drink lemon juice, okay, uh, what happens is the body detects this change in your acid-base balance, and uh, it moves to correct it. And so you will pee out. If you drink alkaline water, you'll pee out alkal alkaline urine to re get the body to return back to a pH of 7.4. Um, you can hyperventilate and get your pH up to about 7.5, and that's about it. Now, there are some benefits to doing this. Uh, but they all have to do with your urine. So there are kidney stones. Uh, so when when you have uh, uric acid and cysteine, calcium oxalate stones, they form an acidic urine. Okay. Struvite, those are magnesium and ammonium phosphate and calcium phosphate stones, form an alkaline urine. So if you are a person that's prone to making uh, struvite, uh, kidney stones, and how would you know when you get a kidney stone, you take it in and have them analyze it. Then do, doing what this person's doing will make them worse, and they will rue the day that okay. they drank that stuff. Because it's just, you remember in chemistry, you would put some stuff in solution, then you might add a little acid or base to it, and it would precipitate out. That's what's going on here. My chemistry teacher, my organic chemistry teacher, actually did all my experiments for me because I couldn't figure it out. Well, and because you were hot and with the big boobs. I got to see, though. Yeah, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm still pissed about this. The one A- minus I got was in a lab, and it was a chemistry lab, and there were these two women in there, and they were extremely attractive, not unlike yourself. And the TA... The chemist, you know, the chemistry, prof, quote unquote, professor. He was a, uh, you know, a doctorate student. Had the hots for them, so he was always at their table doing their experiment for them. And when the thing was over, I got an A minus. It's like I turned all this stuff in. All my results were perfect within tolerance. He said, "I know, but I could only give. They only allowed me to give two A's, and so I gave it to these two, and so I had to give you an A minus." So that that took my average from 4.0 to 3.99999. I was so pissed. But anyway, bastard. Sounds terrible. Yeah, so when you tell me that story, that just gets it all going again because your chemistry professor is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to make time with you. You think he would have done that for me if I couldn't? Oh, oh. Excuse me, I can't do my... Oh, I'll be right there and help you, my you know, young man. I really think he just felt sorry for me. Yeah, and it's easier to feel sorry for somebody who's hot with the big boobs, too. So I'm just saying. Okay. But anyway, all right? Mm -hmm. So uh, whether I'm right or wrong, we'll never know. Uh, I'm sure he was just very altruistic and helping you out. Although I, you could argue that's not helping you by doing your project for uh, you. No, it helped me because <laughs> I've never used it, nor will I ever again. 
Okay. Well, anyway, so urine, yes, you can change the pH of your urine. You can transiently, by maybe a hundredth of a point or something, change the pH of your blood by drinking something, but the body will immediately react to return you to a pH of 7.4. So any other claims that are made for this are not substantiated in the medical literature. And it would be easy to know. And so, okay, I'm going to cure cancer with, with alkaline water. That's the easiest thing in the world to test, right? How would you, how would you do that? You've, you've listened to this show long enough. No, how no, would, I haven't. Okay. So I will tell you then, because this is what I know Tacey would say if she weren't shy. Um, you would take 1,000 people who have cancer, and this is an unethical um, uh, study, by the way, uh, a thousand people who have cancer and you give them alkaline water. Now, I could make it ethical by giving them standard treatment at the same time. OK, so let's just say we're going to do it in kidney cancer, because that makes the most sense, because, you know, uh, the kidneys are at least involved in pH uh, balance. And uh, so you take a thousand people with renal cell cancer and you match them by stage, age, risk factors, all that stuff. And you give them alkaline water and then you take another thousand people and you match them the same uh, for, you know, uh, case by case, if you could the best you can, you want to try to find clones of the people that are in the treatment group. And uh, you just give them the regular treatment. They all get the same treatment, except one group gets alkaline water, one gets regular water, and they can't tell the difference. You can, if they could, if there's a taste difference, so you put crystal light in it, do whatever you got to do. And then at the end of it, you decode it. I don't know which one the people got. They don't know. And uh, follow them for five years. And if at the end there is a statistically significant difference in favor of alkaline water, hell will give everybody alkaline water. This will no longer be a controversy. You know, mm -hmm. that's how you do it. The reason there's a controversy is because they don't want to do that. They just want to make claims for this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't because they know that if they do the double blind placebo controlled study and it's and it's works. There's no skin off our nose. Hell, we'll start using it. But if it doesn't work, they're out of something that we don't do, you know. So that's the that's the that sort of logical fallacy that the people who and and um, who pro, have, are proponents of of whack out whacked out pseudoscience stuff. Now we can prove that it's not whacked out pseudoscience. Yes, I have a bias. I wouldn't be the one to do this study. Because I am biased against it. But I'm open-minded enough to accept the results if they do a good study on it. All right? So. Um, let's see. Dr. Steve, how many of our questions do you research beforehand so you can give us a fully-fledged answer? Versus <laughs> when do I ever give a fully-fledged answer to anything? <laughs> Just digging out of your ass whatever answer you can pull up out of whatever you learned in med school. Thank you, Dr. Steve. Well, yeah. that's why we say don't do what yeah, that's right. you say. Thank you. Here. Give yourself a bill. Yeah, yeah don't do anything I say because I am mostly pulling these things out of my, you know, ass crack for real. And uh, there's about 10% of questions that when I get it, it's like, ooh, that's interesting. There have been a few questions that have been asked where I said, no, that's complete horse 
feces. And then I, but I'm going to do some research before I say it. And then I find out that no, in fact, there really is something to this. I can't think of any right now, but longtime listeners will remember the few times when I said I thought this was complete bull and it turned out to actually be something. So I learned things from you guys asking questions about some of the, particularly some of the more offbeat stuff. So anyway, there you go. That was a good question. It was a good question. Hi, Dr. Steve. When I cook, I like some of my foods pretty burnt. Uh, some of my vegetables, hot dogs especially, which are not vegetables. Yeah. But um, just, just you know, char <laughs> not? really well sometimes, you know, possibly excessively. Now, uh, there's ideas that these could be carcinogenic, and this might not be ideas, it might be real, but... Um, as for the vegetables, how much nutrition am I possibly leaching out mm. of the vegetables by cooking them possibly too long? Uh, maybe some stuff about the carcinogenic hot dogs, too. Thanks, Doctor. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the vitamin or the, the nutritional value. So there are um, some vitamins are what we call heat labile, meaning they can be broken down in the presence of high heat. And interestingly, the fat-soluble vitamins are, the, are less likely to be broken down in the presence of heat. And so the um, mnemonic for fat-soluble vitamins is ADEC, A-D-E-N-K. So vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble. Those are the ones also that you can get in trouble if you megadose. Because they're fat-soluble, there's a reservoir of them in the body, in the fat cells. And the other, all the other vitamins C and all the B vitamins are uh, water soluble, and so those are. So you're going to lose some vitamin C. You'll lose some um, some B vitamins if you're just charring the outside, as we did this weekend. Taste with when we made uh, street corn. Oh, that how was awesome so was that? Yummy. That was so good. Let me just talk about street corn for a minute because That's... I'm just jonesing for it again. We'll need it this weekend. So you take a fresh ear of corn, and uh, what I did was I did something from Sam, the cooking guy's YouTube channel, was I took melted butter and some chili powder, mixed it up, uh, and then I brushed it on the corn before I put it on the grill. And then you put it on the grill on high and then just be turning it and watch it, and you want to just very lightly char uh, some of the kernels, not all of them. You don't want the whole thing just burnt, but you want it charred some so it looks more like what they used to call Indian corn, you know, where it's got lots of different colors. And then you take it out and you slather, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, a mixture of mayonnaise, one-to-one uh, -one mayonnaise and sour cream. Now, I've seen some recipes where they just do the mayonnaise. Um, a little, um, um, uh, oh, a Oh, what's the charred pepper? Why am I having chipotle? Some chipotle yeah. okay. powder and some chopped up um, uh, uh, cilantro mm -hmm. and a little bit of garlic. And you mix all that up and then you just slather that on there. And then sprinkle some cojito cheese, if you don't have that, feta cheese. And then just eat the hell out of it. So good. Now, what Sam, the cooking guy, did what got us interested in this was he made a uh, street corn hot dog mm -hmm. where he took a hot dog and put it on the griddle and wrapped it in bacon. Mm. 
and then just cooked it and it got all plump and the bacon got cooked and then he stuck that in a toasted bun with some of that butter with the chili powder on it and then poured the corn all over it you know cut it off the cob and oh god that was good oh yeah so anyway what were we talking about? <laughs> so oh. charring stuff. When you char things like that, you're not it, you're not burning it all the way through. So some of the nutrition will remain, particularly if you're just charring the vegetables on the outside. There will be some on the inside that will remain. But um, uh, it, vitamin B1 is the most susceptible to uh, thermal degradation. It's the most heat labile. So, and then onto his nitrosamine question, which is really what that is. He's talking about charred meats. Uh, when you uh, char stuff, you can um, generate some um, nitrate byproducts, and one of those are um, uh, nitrosamines. Let me look up charred meat really quick. Charred meat and cancer. I'm looking this up on uh, pubmed.gov. And uh, here we go. So meat-related compounds and colorectal cancer. Now let's look at that. Let me see. Um, <laughs> see, talk about pulling it. Okay, here we go. There we go. <laughs> colorectal polyp type and the association with charred meat consumption. So uh, consumption of greater than three servings of charred meat per week was associated with um, uh, HPs. What are they saying an HP is? Um, and it's some kind of polyp. Where is it? Oh, hyperplastic polyps. Okay, that's not that big of a deal, but not adenomatous or other types of proximal polyps. So uh, a, a um, hyperplastic polyp is just one that is uh, benign. It's It just grows out of the mucous membrane of the colon, but it's not precancerous. Heavy cigarette smoking was associated with an increased risk of colorectal adenomas. So, you know, we say quit smoking at the end of every show. I'm 25 years sober now, I think, something like that. Um, and uh, let's see. And that no association with um, anything else in this particular study. So, you know, charred meat has been looked at for gastric cancer and some other things. Let me see here. But, uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot. Maybe we could do something on that next week, Tase, because it, it, we're still in grilling season. Will you leave me a note to get some data on charred meat? We were supposed to do something on something else last week. Yeah, and... I did it on the podcast, so oh, too bad. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yes, um, there there is some association that's been suggested in the um, in the medical literature, and then you'll see another study that says, says no, we don't think that there is. I've seen the same thing with cured meats, where a high cured meat consumption was incre showed increased cancer. Then I saw another meta-analysis later that said, you know, that quest took brought that into question. So let's do all of that next time. We'll do that as a as an opening uh, discussion. Okay. Okay. Be something other than COVID we can talk about. All right. Um, yeah, this hey, is, this, Steve, is this is uh, Gary in Oklahoma. Hey, Gary. Uh, just read the news this morning. Uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away from colon cancer yeah. at the young, young age of 43. Um, with a colonoscopy supposedly not being uh, recommended till 50, what the hell? Uh, I know. Yeah, no question about that. What the hell indeed. Same thing with Frank Zappa dying of um, prostate cancer in his 40s, you know. Uh, so 
Uh, here, here's the new guidelines is 45 to 50 for your first colonoscopy, unless you had a first degree relative that had, um, uh, colon cancer. And then you go 10 years before that. So whichever one is earlier. So if you had, so like Chadwick Boseman, this was, this really made me sad. I loved that guy. He was awesome. He was such a good actor. I've seen him in other stuff other than Marvel movies. He was so great in the Marvel movies. Uh, but, you know, I loved him in that uh, Thurgood Marshall movie, and he was insane as um, James Brown. I mean, he was just a brilliant, brilliant actor and had so much going for him as an actor. We were going to be seeing him for the next, you know, 40 years acting. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I was very, very sad about that. And he just seemed like just a, you know, just a great, just wonderful person. So, um, so he's 43, so his kids need to get their colon cancer screening at 33, unless there were other extenuating factors. For example, if you have a history of familial polyposis, you're get, which is a, a disease where people are at high risk of getting colon cancer because they got a, just a countless number of polyps in their colon, they're getting their colon screening every year. We have a friend that has that, and he has to get uh, colonoscopy every year. And he was the one that convinced me to have my colonoscopy without uh, anesthesia, which I also wrote about. If uh, if you're interested in learning about that at all, I wrote a big, long thing. I put it on Quora, too, but it's on our website at drsteve.com, along with Tacy's one-page baby manual for new parents, uh, just in the search uh, bar in the upper right hand corner just put in colonoscopy and it'll come up the dreaded colonoscopy and i wrote a, a somewhat humorous article about having a colonoscopy without anesthesia it's not bad but um so the but the other thing is i had another friend of ours ask me well damn you know chadwick boseman was young what am i supposed to do i'm not 45 i don't have a family history if you have any symptoms at all they will do a colonoscopy on you and um, you can get screening colonoscopies done pretty easily because of the Affordable Care Act. They're covered under that. That was one benefit of the Affordable Care Act was covering uh, preventative uh, screening stuff. But if you have any symptoms at all, change in your bowel habits, dark stools, blood in your stool, painful defecation, any of that stuff will buy you a colonoscopy if you're really worried about it. So just... Talk to your primary care provider. Talk to your gastroenterologist. See uh, if you need a colonoscopy. But, you know, any I, this is, again, it's like why when I'm 64, which I am now, is my risk of dying of COVID 30 times more than a 20-year-old. But uh, two weeks from now, it'll be 90 times more. So we're making these artificial cutoffs. So f- f- at 44 and 364 days, you're not eligible for a colonoscopy, but at 45, you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. That's it, it's artificial. So it doesn't matter what age we set it at. There's going to be someone that doesn't meet those criteria that's going to die that we should have, or you know, could have caught it if we had ratcheted down the criteria. So there's a risk benefit to society kind of thing by doing that. But um, this was a tragedy. I wonder if he had symptoms before it happened. I wondered if he had a family history of early uh, colon, or early colon cancer. 
or was this just one of those tragedies that couldn't have been avoided no matter what you did, you know? So, all right. Get, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Uh, colon, or, um, sorry, um, testicular cancer is a young man's disease, and young men are rarely told about that. Quit smoking. All we can do is mitigate risk. Wear your stupid seatbelts. Have Narcan in the house. You know, in 2020, I think every home should have Narcan. Every home should know the Heimlich. We saved our kid's life when he was seven with the Heimlich maneuver. Everyone should know CPR. They should wear their seatbelt. Not because I think you're going to have a wreck, in case you do. And I think people should have Narcan in the house, too. If you don't know what that is, it's a narcotic antidote for people who are overdosing. You're going to know somebody in 2020, in the next 10 years in this environment, that's going to die of an opioid overdose, either from prescription medications or because they can't get them anymore because the doctors aren't writing them like they once did. And now they're dying from um, fentanyl coming, you know, imported from other countries. And uh, you could save somebody's life. Don't be um, Walter White, and when some, somebody's dying of an overdose, you just sit there just and watch them die. It, yeah. Right. Okay. So, how do you get Narc- Narcan in your house? Uh, you can ask any healthcare provider to write your prescription for it, and in some states, they're just giving it away. Okay. Some pharmacies are giving it away. Look, we ended on a good note. Yes, we did. A very Look hopeful note. That. You can save someone's life. All right, and I'm going to ask everybody to remember stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. Just click through, use it. It really helps keep us on the air. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Tef, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, my niece Holly, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, my niece Chrissy, who is uh, helping me out with my voice stuff. Uh, Dale Dudley, the great Rob Bartlett, Ron Bennington, and Fez Wantley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. And go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time. Check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you, Tacey.